And for our reflection this evening, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. And we want to talk a little this afternoon about the inv- or invitation to prayer. In terms of the context of these verses, the prophet Jeremiah was at this time incarcerated. He was shut up in prison, as it were, in the court of the guard, which was in the royal court of the king of Judah. We learn that from Jeremiah 32 and verse 2. Jerusalem at this time was under siege by the Babylonians and Jeremiah had been arrested by King Zedekiah of Judah. Why was he arrested? Because he had truthfully prophesied that the city of Judah would be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon and furthermore that the king, that is Zedekiah, would not escape but would be taken to Babylon. Jeremiah was regarded here as being traitorous. He was seen as engaging in treason. He was, for all intents and purposes, from the standpoint of King Zedekiah saying the wrong thing. And of course, he was a lone voice because Zedekiah had gotten some false prophets who told him otherwise. Zedekiah, he did not like the word that was given him by Jeremiah from the Lord. And for that reason, he thrust him in prison. And it was against this backdrop, this backdrop of darkness, of desolation, that the Lord issued this summons, this invitation to Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you and show you hidden things that you have not known. And certainly we could say here what more comforting, assuring words one could receive that Jeremiah had received in his hour of desolation and darkness. This is one of the most concise statements we have in the word of God on the power of prayer. And in these words, we're given a simple command which we do not, truth be told, obey as often as we should. And there are at least three matters we want to consider briefly this afternoon. Three matters from this text. We see, first of all, our authorization in prayer or authorization for prayer. Verse 3 here in the word call, we see the grounds of our authority, the grounds of our authority in prayer. It is this that God takes it upon Himself to invite us to pray to Him. That really is our warrant for prayer. That is our authorization, or we could say our authority for approaching God in prayer. Perhaps you have had the experience when someone gave you an open invitation saying if any time, at any time you need to talk or you need my help, just call me. That's really what God was doing here in his invitation to Jeremiah. He was inviting Jeremiah to pray to him, to commune with him, to dialogue with him. In fact, this is not the only time in Scripture we find God himself taking the initiative to invite people to pray to him. In Psalm 27 and verse 28, we see God inviting his people to pray for him for the purpose of fellowshipping with him. The psalmist there records in Psalm 27 and verse 8, 
He records God as instructing him to seek his face. He says there, you, speaking to God, have said to me, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And surely God invites his people to pray for him, particularly when they're facing crisis. We read in Psalm 50 and verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. In Isaiah 45 verse 11, God invites his people to pray to him regarding his redeeming covenant purposes. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him, ask of me things to come. Will you command me concerning my children and the work of my hands? God is inviting us to dialogue with him. He's inviting us to fellowship with him. He invites his people to pray to him in repentance. This is the invitation, Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. In Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7, we hear God through the prophet Isaiah telling the people of Judah to put him to work by praying unceasingly. He says there, on your walls. He's telling the, the people of, of Judah, he says, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and make it a praise in the earth. God not only invites his people to pray to him, but he, as it were, says to, the, to them, give me no rest, trouble me. Storm the throne of grace is what he's suggesting there. Jeremiah 27, 29 verse 7, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. God, in fact, envisions a time when they would be in exile. And he says to them in Jeremiah 29 verses 12 and 13, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Well, skip over to the New Testament that we find the same idea. God in the Lord Jesus Christ invites people to pray to him. Ask Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. That's God's invitation to us to pray unceasingly, to pray perseveringly. Again, our Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Similarly, we see here in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, God is heard taking the initiative, summoning his people, in particular here, his servant Jeremiah, to pray to him. Call to me, he says to Jeremiah. And indeed, he's saying very much the same thing to you and me today. He's saying, call to me, pray to me, spend time with me. He's saying, as it were, I want to have fellowship with you. I want for us to know you. I want for you to know me. Well, he doesn't need to know us. He knows us inside out. But we need to know him. And he invites us to get to know him through prayer. 
So the authorization you, you and I have to pray, notice, is not simply our disposition. We, 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 our authorization for prayer comes not just because we feel like it, not just because we are disposed to doing it. The warrant, the grounds you and I have to pray is this. It is first and foremost the fact that the living almighty God of heaven has extended to us an invitation and even more than that, the command to pray to him. Our Lord Jesus declared in Luke chapter 18 verse 1, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. The writer of Hebrews states in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 that we are to draw near with confidence. He says there, let us draw near with confidence, with boldness to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, what lesson can we derive from this? The fact that God invites us to pray, to talk to him. And we could say this, the fact that God invites us, beloved, to pray to him, to commune with him, tells us that prayer, first and foremost, is God's idea. Prayer is not a man-made idea. Prayer does not arise simply from mere human impulse. Prayer is God's idea. Prayer is the means that God has appointed whereby we, his people, can get to talk with him and know him. Because prayer, you see, is the means by which we keep open the lines of communication with him. He wants us to talk to him. Indeed, he wants us to draw near to him even as he desires to draw near to us. Through our prayers, he wants to do various things. He wants to impart to us joy. John 16, verse 24. Here's our Lord Jesus. He says to his disciples, Until now you have asked me for nothing. Here's the invitation. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You want to be joyful. You want to have what we call serenity of soul, spirit, you find that you are easily flustered, agitated by the worries, the concerns of life. There's no joy in your life. God says, Jesus says, you have been asking. Ask for joy. Ask for joy and you will have it. In fact, in Isaiah 56 verse 7, God speaks of his intention to bring his people to his holy mountain and make them joyful in his house of prayer. That's God's invitation. He says, I want you to come and pray to me that you might have my joy. James chapter 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then secondly, he wants us to pray to him when we are anxious and worried. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard. The idea there is this. The Greek word means garrison. Will garrison, will protect your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He invites us to pray to him for joy. He invites us to pray to him for peace when anxious and worried. He wants us to pray to him when we're afflicted and passing through Trials. In his discussion of the subject of trials, for example, the Apostle James, in James chapter 1, verse 5, says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. James 5, verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him pray. 
And then he wants for us to pray to him. Not just when we want joy. Not just when we want peace amidst our anxiety. Not just when we are suffering. He wants for us to pray at all times. Ephesians 6.18 Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So the first thing we see in our text, Jeremiah 33 verse 3, is the authorization for prayer. The authorization for prayer resides in this. It resides in God's invitation to us to pray to him. But secondly, we see in our text the addressee, our addressee in prayer. Our addressee in prayer. Notice the text. Call to me, to me. Prayer is to be addressed to God. Now we need to make the point here that in and of itself, prayer is powerless. Now that's a daring statement to make. But it's true. In and of itself, prayer has no meaning. It has no power. What do we mean by this? There are some people who pray to what they refer to as Mother Earth. Where is that prayer headed? Nowhere. Some pray to the universe, but such a prayer is worthless. You see, prayer is a wasted exercise if it's not directed to the living, all-powerful God of heaven. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, for instance, and without faith, it is impossible to please God, for the one who comes to God, here it comes, must believe that he exists, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, if we're to see answers to our prayers, the addressee must be right. We must come to none other than the living God who is active, who makes things happen, is what the writer is saying. So prayer itself is not the source of power. God is. Our prayers are powerful and they are effective only insofar as they are directed to God Almighty, the one Notice how he's described in our text. He's described in our text as the Lord, watch this, verse 3, who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. Why does God introduce himself as such? Because he wants to remind Jeremiah that he is the living God who makes things happen. This God is the God who is willing and able to help him given his hour of darkness and desolation as he's shut up in prison. Certainly, if God created the world, if God created this universe, there is nothing that is impossible for him. And he's the one to whom we must address our petitions if we are to see him work in our prayers. Prayer must be addressed to God. There's a man once who attempted to pray and not his prayer to God, and he came under strong condemnation. You remember who that was? Our Lord Jesus spoke of him in Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and was praying these things to himself. He was praying to himself. Proud people, self-righteous people say prayers, but those prayers really are for and to themselves. By contrast, notice he says of the tax collector, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his chest, saying, look at the addressee, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And what did our Lord Jesus say? This man went down to his house more justified than this self-righteous tax collector. To whom do we turn then? On whom do we call when we are in trouble? Some turn to friends, some turn to their resources. We always need to remember to go directly 
to headquarters. We need to go to the living God himself, himself. We need to direct our concerns. We need to direct our call, not to ourselves, not to others, but to God. God says, call to me. That was the way of the psalmist. The psalmist, read the psalms and throughout the psalms, the psalmist is addressing his prayer. In fact, he is deliberate in letting us know that he directs his prayer to God. It may seem redundant, but it's very important. Here's what he says, Psalm 25, verse 1, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Hear my prayer, Psalm 102, verse 1. O Lord, let my cry come to you. Out of the depths, Psalm 130, verse 1, I cry to you, O Lord. Psalm 142, verse 5, I cry to you, O Lord. You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. This was the way of our Lord Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, we are told that in the days of his flesh, he offered up strong cryings. And tears to God. He didn't approach his disciples seeking comfort. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Now going back to verse 2 of Jeremiah 33. And uh, of course, I can skip that because we covered it already. God laid the basis for us to why he should come to him in prayer because of who he is. He's the creator. He's the God who called into existence the universe. And of course, Jeremiah needed assurance. He needed to be reminded of that because when we are going through dark valleys, as Jeremiah no doubt had been, then there's a need for reassurance as to who God is. And God reminded Jeremiah, in no uncertain terms, you need to call to me, the God who created this universe. Now, finally, this afternoon, so we have seen, number one, our authorization for prayer. We have seen, number two, our addressee for prayer. And then finally, thirdly, our assurance in prayer. He says, and I will answer. Call unto me, right, the addressee, call unto me, assurance, and I will answer. Here it's not a question of maybe or perhaps God's assuring declaration to Jeremiah was simply this. I will answer you. I will answer you. Definitely, I will respond. In 1 John 5 verse 14, we see this idea of the certainty, the assurance that God gives us that he will hear our prayers. Because John tells us there, he says, this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. The Bible is filled with instances of answered prayer. And in many of these instances, the background against which the men and women in Scripture prayed made it appear that the prospect of their praying prayer being answered or would be assuredly fulfilled. For example, Hannah in her barrenness prayed for a son and God gave her exactly what she asked for. He gave her in time a son. Situations seemed hopeless, situations seemed impossible. She prayed, and God answered. Elijah prayed, and it did not rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and the rains returned. On and on we could go throughout Scripture. God is the God who hears and answers prayers. Of course, conditioned by the fact that we are right with him, and we are praying according to his will. That is to say, we are praying for those things that are in line with his will and purpose for us. He still answers prayers today. In fact, he always answers our prayers. Every time we pray, he answers our prayers. 
He answers our prayers in one way or another. His possible answers may be as follows. Might be yes. And we are happy when, he, when we get what we want, right? But sometimes he says what? No. Other times he says wait. At other times he answers but not in the way we would expect. He doesn't say no. But he gives us something else. And we look and we say, oh, wow, this is far better. He knows exactly what we want. He might answer yes, no, wait. Or he might answer in a way we're not expecting. Someone has said this regarding God's answer to prayer. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. If the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. In verses 4 through 13, God gives Jeremiah specific assurance as to what he would do in response to Jeremiah's calling to him. And he says this, what I'll do for you, Jeremiah, I will tell you great and mighty things, hidden things that you do not know. The question this afternoon is, what challenges might you be facing what situation of difficulty might you be facing? You look at your situation and you say, it's hopeless, it's bleak, I don't see what God could bring out of this, what good he could bring out of this. That is why the Apostle James says, if any of you, and he's writing in the context of the believer's trials, sufferings, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Why do we need wisdom, particularly in times of trial, that we might have insight and appreciation for what God is doing through our trials. And God says to Jeremiah here, I will tell you great and mighty things, hidden things, that you have not known. What great assurance we have today to approach God in prayer. The all-powerful, living all-powerful God. Ephesians 3.20 tells us that he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. And we need, beloved, to look to him, realizing that looking to all else, looking to others, looking to the arm of flesh will only disappoint us. There are great possibilities then ahead of us when we approach God and we spend time with him in prayer. May God truly inflame our hearts, causing us to become even more enthused about this matter of spending time with him in prayer.